Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our supporters. The Brazilian Report turned four years old on October 19th, which is a pretty special milestone for us. Most new businesses in Brazil don't last as long as four years, while we are going from strength to strength. From a team of just two, we've got now 11 people spread across Brazil and abroad. And we're proud to announce that as early birthday present, we won the Best Paid Content Strategy Award for small or local newsrooms from the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers. And we could not have done it without the people who subscribe to our content. If you haven't yet, please do, and support independent journalism. Our plans start at just $3.99 a month, which is cheaper than a Big Mac and a lot healthier. Go to Brazilian.report. And for those who already subscribe, thank you very much. Now, let's begin this week's show. On April 27th, the Senate's COVID Hearings Committee officially began its investigation into the Jair Bolsonaro administration's pandemic response. E a apuração dos recursos federais que foram destinados aos estados e municípios para o the combate was considered a major risk for the government because as we say in Brazil, everyone knows how parliamentary inquiries start, but no one knows how they will end. This shows just how unpredictable these proceedings can be. The massive level of media coverage given to congressional hearings increases the potential for new, explosive evidence to appear. And that was certainly the case with the COVID hearings. Minutes from the health ministry meetings showed that the Brazilian government insisted on a denialist approach to the pandemic despite knowing that lockdowns were the best strategy, even in economic terms. And there was also the co-vaccine scandal, which showed that government officials were pushing to purchase a sketchy vaccine while several proven immunizers were available on the market, with allegations and circumstantial evidence showing that health ministry officials may have received bribed in that process. We also found out about a terribly unethical chloroquine trial in which patients were not told they were being given the controversial antimalarial drug to treat their COVID-19 infection, in what is one of the biggest health scandals in Brazilian recent history. But we don't know where the COVID inquiry will go from here, as members of the hearings committee disagree on just how far they should take their findings. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Amanda Aldi, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Gustavo. Thanks for having me. So, Amanda, tell us what you did last Thursday evening. Well, I paid a visit to the office of Senator Renan Calheiros, the COVID inquiry rapporteur. He recently finished the, the first draft of the investigation's final report, and I want to see if I could take a look at it. Of course, I wasn't the only journalist trying to get information ahead of time. There were plenty of other reporters hanging around, waiting to speak to him. But after a couple of hours, he called me into his office. Assim como a gente vê quais são certinho aí os crimes tipificados? Só vi, pode. E tirar foto, pode? 
Right, and before we get into the information itself, could you explain to our listeners exactly how congressional inquiries work and why the rapporteur position is so important? Well, for any given scandal, Brazil Senate and House can launch a congressional inquiry. In the Senate, they are made up of 11 full members, but any lawmaker can take part in the debate and ask questions to witnesses. The two most important positions in these inquiries are the chairperson and the rapporteur. The first decides on the hearings agenda, while the rapporteur, as the name suggests, writes the inquiry's final report, summarizing its findings. He also gets plenty of time on the microphone. The rapporteur can ask as many questions as they like without time limits, so they often become the face of any given inquiry. But the key responsibility is the final report. It lays out the inquiry's evidence and recommends the indictments of suspects and can request further investigation by law enforcement and prosecutors. But these are only recommendations, right? Yeah. So the inquiry doesn't have the power to indict anyone. It simply collects evidence, analyzes confidential banking or phone records, and suggests the best course of action for prosecutors. And so how does Renan Calheiros get the rapporteur position for the COVID inquiry? Seats in the inquiry are divided up according to the number of seats each party has in Senate. And they have an understanding that the biggest party gets to pick the rapporteur, and the second biggest picks the chairperson. Renan Calheiros is a member of the Brazilian Democratic Movement Party, one of the biggest in Brazil and the largest in the Senate. So he got the nod. And for anyone who perhaps isn't so clued up on the famous faces of Brazilian politics, who is Renan Calheiros? It's hard to describe him, actually. He started out as a young member of the Communist Party, but then worked under the extremely corrupt conservative government of Fernando Collor in the early 1990s, and was appointed Justice Minister under center-right President Fernando Henrique Cardoso. After that, he became close with center-left President Lula, and supported the Dilma Rousseff administration until she lost popularity. He is presided over the Senate on multiple occasions. He is presided over the Senate on multiple occasions and has faced many corruption allegations throughout his career. Basically, he is everywhere and is rarely far away from the center of power. But regardless of his merits and flaws, there's one thing everyone agrees on when it comes to Renan Calheiros. He knows Congress as well as anyone. Right, and from the get-go, he took on a very adversarial approach to the government, didn't he? He did, yes. In 2019, Renan won in a new term as Senate president, but was stopped by Jair Bolsonaro, who worked to get another senator elected in his place. Renan Calheiros, cinco votos. Davi Alcolumbre. 42 votos. So there's always been a bit of bad blood between him and the Bolsonaro family. But there's a local politics element too. Since last year, the president has become very close to Congressman Arthur Lira, who he helped elect as House Speaker earlier this year. And Lira comes from Alagoas, the same northeastern state as Renan. Yeah, it's like the Americans say, all politics is local. Exactly, yeah. And that's one aspect we can't overlook. So how has Renan Calheiros behaved as rapporteur? As I said, Renan knows politics. From the very first session of the inquiry, he used it as a state. 
confronting the government, holding moments of silence for victims and spending a very long time on the microphone. At one point, he got into a shouting match with Senator Flávio Bolsonaro, the president's eldest son. Um cidadão honesto ser preso por um vagabundo como Relan Calheiros. Olha a And he declared that he would not be holding back with his final report. Earlier this month, he said there was no point roaring like a lion during the investigation and acting like a kidding when it came to writing the report. Which brings us to last Thursday. So yes, Renan hosted me in his office and shared some of the contents of the report. And the most important part was the list of crimes he attributed to President Bolsonaro. Yes, and you broke that information on Friday morning with kudos to you. It was a list of 11 crimes, which are... So, the draft report was over a thousand pages long. It lists a series of dangerous attitudes that the government took, such as gambling on herd immunity as a way out of the pandemic. Evidence showed that President Bolsonaro wanted as many people to get infected as quickly as possible, believing they would develop immunity and the country could return to normal. He also intentionally stalled vaccine negotiations with Pfizer and promoted ineffective treatments against the coronavirus. So in the end, Hannah proposed President Bolsonaro's indictment for 11 crimes. Causing a deadly epidemic, infringing prophylactic health measures, illegally using public funds, inciting crimes against public health, falsifying documents, charlatanism, malfeasance, genocide against indigenous communities, crimes against humanity, murder by omission, and what are known in Brazil as impeachable offenses, which are basically illicit acts committed by a public official. And the draft included a number of bills related to the inquiry to ensure its findings won't be swept under the rug. One gives the House Speaker a 30-day deadline to analyze any impeachment requests against the President, and another suggests creating a committee of prosecutors to analyze decisions of the Prosecutor General in special cases. This last one is important because all of the inquiry's recommendations will be sent to Prosecutor General Augusto Ares, who has been very friendly toward President Bolsonaro. And the report was supposed to be submitted on October 19th, which is when we're recording this episode. So why wasn't it? Well, Hannah's peers didn't appreciate what he was doing. The inquiry is pretty much divided into two groups, four pro-government senators and seven opposition and independent senators. This second group was known as the G7, holding a majority in the committee and now is seeking to stick the knife into the government. Throughout most of the inquiry, the G7 was a tight group, with everyone pulling in the same direction. But after Hernan Calheiros leaked part of the final report, the other six members became annoyed with him. More on that after the break. As you know, The Brazilian Report is an independent news outlet that lives off subscriptions, so you can support our independence by choosing one of our plans for the best content about Brazil in English. And if you have already subscribed, then you can also buy us a coffee with a small donation starting at $4 and going up to whatever your budget and your heart allows, you can help us refill our coffee mugs to continue covering Brazil. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. Buymeacoffee.com slash 
Brazilian Report. So, Amanda, why are some of the senators upset with the COVID inquiry report? Some are worried that Renan's arguments aren't strong enough to stand up in court. And they are afraid that if they push too far, it will be easier for Prosecutor General Aras to ignore their final recommendations. Two accusations are seen as particularly shaky. The one accusing Bolsonaro of genocide against indigenous groups and the one charging him with murder by omission. The problem is that Renan's report is out in the open, and now senators will feel it's hard for them to tone down their, their accusations without looking like they are protecting the government. They say that leaking the report was the equivalent of bullying them into approving it. So what's happened? In response to Renan, Senator Alessandro Vieira presented his own shadow report which is much smaller and focuses on the main people responsible for Brazil's disastrous COVID strategy. In all, there are 18 indictment requests. Alessandro Vieira is a former civil police chief, so he has plenty of experience in overseeing inquiries. He says he made the mistake of holding those influenced by the government policy decisions to the same standards as the masterminds behind Brazil's COVID debacle. In his view, a congressional inquiry should focus on the top dogs and avoid spreading itself too thin. He believes it's better to present fewer leads for prosecutors to follow rather than dozens of requests that just won't stick. And what are the risks of this split in the inquiry? Well, a report must be approved by November 5, otherwise the, the inquiry will basically have been for nothing. The report needs to pass a simple majority vote and the G7 needs to be united. With just two defections, the government would be able to block the report altogether. Plenty of other congressional inquiries have ended that way in the past. So the inquiry chairman decided to postpone the presentation of the report, hoping that they can reach a compromise over the coming days. So something's got to give, right? I mean, either Henna will have to tone down his accusations or his peers will have to accept the possibility of looking weak, a difficult one for either side. Yeah, and we'll be following the developments and bring whatever new happens. And finally, Amanda, before I let you go, I'd like to talk to you about what the COVID inquiry did not do. You and your fellow Brasilia correspondent Janaina Camilo have written about the many stones left unturned by this investigation. Yeah, and interestingly, many of these cases left untouched involve politicians. There are multiple lines of inquiry that are complex and involve wider webs of questionable relationships and corrupt dealings that predate the pandemic. But still, for a committee that ended up wasting a lot of its time questioning useless witnesses, it seems like a huge miss. We exposed on the Brazilian report one of these untouched cases. And it involves one of the members of the COVID inquiry, the center-right Senator Marcos Duval. So he intermediated the, the donation of hydroxychloroquine by pharmaceutical labs to a private hospital in Espírito Santo State, which then distributed these ineffective coronavirus drugs to patients. The hospital in question is MedSenior, a facility run by an HMO of the same name and which is yet another on the list of health services that administered 
dodgy tests on senior citizens using unproven COVID-19 drugs. But the committee members want to create a continuous working group to investigate this loose ends. Like a way of keeping the inquiry alive, right? Yes. But these investigations usually only progress if public scrutiny is high. And a lower profile working group would not have nearly as much media coverage or give lawmakers as much visibility. And those investigations rarely amount to anything. Amanda, thank you very much. Thanks, Gustavo. Amanda and the rest of us will continue monitoring the final days of the COVID inquiry. You can follow it all on the Brazilian Report. Just go to our website, brazilian.report. If you like explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second, and it really helps more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.